0: Hi, this is Holly, your co-host of the Happy Homeschooler podcast. We're sorry to report that Melody has had a death in her family and can't join us again this week. Everyone involved in the production of our podcast is holding Melody and her family close in our hearts today, and we know our listeners are as well. Thank you. Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Holly, and joining us today is our favorite guest host, Jennifer Jones. Hey, Jennifer, what have you been up to since the last time you joined us? Hi, thank
1: you for having me back. Um, I actually just returned from a 20-day trip with my two teenage boys, so I'm uh, pretty much have been traveling the entire time <laughs> since I've talked to you, and we just got back and are recovering from that.
0: Oh, I can imagine there is a lot of recovery if you're gone on that extensive of a, a trip. Yeah, there's a lot to catch up on. We had we had <laughs> pretty
1: much no internet service the whole time, so uh, it was a true break for everybody. So there was a big to do list when we got home. Oh wow,
0: <laughs> yeah, I have not uh, managed to go away with. And being able to disconnect because I usually have to bring my laptop and combine right. any vacation with also my work. Um, yeah. So my dream is to uh, slot out a whole week sometime in the future where I mm-hmm. don't take any technology and we just have a vacation. So that's my goal. Um, it has a pretty huge impact, I think. My kids,
1: actually, they they both play a lot of video games and they were, you know, totally fine for 20 days.
0: So it, it works. <laughs> That's good. And I think that's important for our brains to uh-huh. to disconnect. I'm trying to, um, well, I've started to do that in some small way. I used to play a little um, card game on my uh, tablet before I went to bed yeah. at night. But I found that I wasn't going to sleep very well. And now I just do a crossword puzzle and uh, my sleep mm-hmm. is so much better. So that that's disconnecting great. is really important. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And um mm. So are those the last two kiddos you're homeschooling out of your great big
1: old family? Yes, they are. They're my last two. um, Well, I have three that aren't adults yet, but the youngest girl is at college now. And uh, they're the only two I'm still homeschooling. And They are 13 and 14. This is the first trip I've ever been on with just those two, you know, just those kids, uh, which was a little odd at first, but it turned out to be really great.
0: I remember when um, when you and I first met mm-hmm. at the academy. I had my what was then my two youngest children. I didn't have um, right. my little boy yet. And people would meet me and think that I only had two kids. Um, but <laughs> yes. I had five. And it, and do you find has that happened to you? Like people meet you and they think you only have these two boys. And yeah, this whole big family. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's such totally a part of cool. who we are.
1: I don't I don't know when is the right time to say, Oh, yeah, by the way, I have six other children. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I experienced that too. It's so good to have you with us to share with us about Our topic today, which is traveling while homeschooling. Have you done any traveling while homeschooling? I don't think we we
1: haven't talked about this personally before, so I don't I don't know if you have. Yeah, I have a little
0: bit. So my uh, middle daughter lives in uh, Colorado, Mm -hmm. and she just moved up to Granby, which is way up in the mountains. Uh, I think they're like at ten thousand feet elevation or something like that. But Mm -hmm. they were living just outside of Denver. And so we had traveled to Denver um, for spring break when Liam was young. I think he was Mm -hmm. five. And then we took a whole month and spent up there in 2018. So we left um, in 2018 Mm -hmm. right after Thanksgiving. We went to Arizona because I have family there. Mm -hmm. We stayed in that area for about four days. And then we traveled up and went to the Grand Canyon, which was. That's great, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I cried. It was so overwhelming. Yeah,
1: it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and the dog, we take the dog. So he got to go to the Grand Canyon, (laughs) and it was snowing that day. It had snowed Mm -hmm. in Flagstaff, and so it it was really amazing. But now we want to go back and see it in another season. Yeah. And then we made our way from the Grand Canyon to Durango, Colorado.
1: I love Um, it there, too. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a really cool little town. And we got there at night, so we went through four corners, but we didn't Mm -hmm. stop. It was like <laughs> two or three a.m. And then we we got to when we got to Durango, it was at night, and we didn't realize we our hotel was at the base of the mountain. So we got up in the morning <laughs> and looked at you like wow, yeah. And then we crossed, you know, we we crossed the Rockies. Mm-hmm. And we're crossing, we're at 14,000 feet. It's starting to snow. And there are no guardrails on some of the sections of that boat. And I'm on the I'm on the um passenger side, so I can see, you know, <laughs> down there. Oh my gosh. But it was an amazing experience to yeah. drive through there. I don't know if I really want to do that again. Um <laughs> But uh, when we finally got to Denver, then we stayed there for a month, and we went to Breckenridge to go sledding, and we went yeah. to the Rocky Mountain National Forest, and we went to Estes Park. and That's awesome. Yeah. So you, and, go ahead. Oh, just, you know, it it's just so amazing to be able to do that.
1: Right. And to share it with your kids. Like, that's, that's one of the huge things I love about traveling while homeschooling is, like, that you're both experiencing that, like yourself and the adults and the kids are, you know, experiencing it together. So that awe and that the memories you're creating and, you know, and then you all get the travel book together because you want to do more and want to see more. It's so exciting.
0: Yes, we definitely want to do some more trips. Um, Mm -hmm. We have not been able to, um, recently because my husband had some health issues and, Mm -hmm. um, and then there's COVID, which makes things a little more complicated. So tell us where, where were you traveling for the past 20 days? So on
1: this trip, we just, we called it the going North trip. Um, we pretty much went straight up. We went to, uh, several, we usually go to national parks. That's what we focus on. Uh, we went to grants, great sand dunes national park in Colorado, uh, then we headed up to Yellowstone and then we were traveling with another friend and her son as well, her teenage son. And we split ways at Yellowstone and myself and my boys went up to Canada um, to Banff National Park and Yoho National Park. And then we came back down and went to Glacier National Park and then the Grand Tetons. And then we spent a little time in Colorado visiting our kids, mm-hmm. um, with some of my other kids. Uh, so, yeah, it was a whirlwind. Uh, we only had a few days at each park and we've done trips like that before where they're pretty quick pace. And I like doing that because we see places that then we know we want to return to later, you know, and check out more. What's your appetite for the next go around? Right. And like we did this with a Utah trip a while back where we did the Utah mighty five, where you visit all the national parks in the state Uh and, uh, All of us fell in love with Zion. So since then, we've been back to Zion several times to spend a lot of time there. So we do find places that we just, you know, feel drawn to after that, too.
0: That's so cool. And so you you had to get passports to go into Canada or how'd that Uh, work? Yes.
1: So they're pretty strict. Uh, We had to be vaccinated, first of all. Um, Then we had to get tested uh, before we crossed the border. We had to have uh, negative test and they had to be a certain type of test and done in a certain way and at a, an official place. Uh, we had to do that within 72 hours, which was very complicated for us because we were in Yellowstone, which is, you know, in the middle of nowhere, really. Uh, <laughs> so we had to actually drive two hours into Bozeman, Montana to get, you know, vac- to get uh, tested That's and then it. drive back to Yellowstone. Wow. Um, and then we had to anxiously wait for our results to find out if we could get in. Um, and then uh, at the border was easy. We had that all prepared. So we had passports, we had our testing and our shots. And then within Canada, they were very conscious of COVID protocols mm-hmm. everywhere we went. So that's really, I mean, traveling is hard right now, because there are every place requires different things, even within the states, you know, each mm-hmm. state, each city, they all require different things. So you just have to be prepared and, you know, really look into it in advance what it's going to require. For each place. Sure.
0: So, um, did you tent camp in all the parks or how did you? Yes. So yeah. my
1: family has always tent camp since we've been little, as you know, we have eight kids and it's too expensive for us to travel any other way. Yeah. Uh, tent camping, especially if you're in parks is, is incredibly cheap. Uh, it's usually like $15 a night for a spot to camp in a national park. Uh, so, our biggest expense on these trips is normally gas. We bring all our own food. We we really try to budget it out so that we can do these things with all these mm-hmm. kids. So we've always done that since they were young. So almost all of our trips have been solely tent camping trips.
0: That's cool. So do you have a special vehicle that you're using? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you we, had a big van at one did. time.
1: We used to have a big van. We often like to travel with friends, like other homeschooling families. So we have had trips where we also pull like, you know, a U-Haul thing behind the van. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, about two years ago, downsized to a normal car. <laughs> and and with my boys this time, it was just three of us. So we we really just used our car and packed in really, really tight. Um it takes a lot of planning. <laughs> we, and for example, we were gone 20 days and we brought all our food for 20 days with us. Um, we also brought all our clothes cause we didn't want to, we were so limited everywhere. We didn't want to stop to do laundry or stop to grocery shop and things like right. that. Right. So it was yeah, tight, we, but we made it happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. We have, uh, we have traveled a bit. Uh, we've gone mm-hmm. back and forth to Arizona a few times and then mm-hmm. we, um, We like to stay at KOAs. Um, Yeah, they have little cabins. Yeah. Well, my husband has a CPAP, so he needs electricity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh. You know, it would be a good vacation if Dad expired. (laughs) No. (laughs) So um, we we tend to do those little cabins, but we cook all of our own food. Yeah. Um. And yeah, we don't normally do laundry either when we're out. Uh, I try to to do layers of things so that. Yes. Yeah. You know, and 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 do a clothing color theme so everything. I just I, on
1: this trip, I joked with my kids. I was like, you know, we're at home. You we wear the same shirt all week, so so you're gonna be fine with just a few shirts for 20 days. Yeah,
0: uh, Americans I, are too obsessed with washing their clothes yes. when they're not dirty.
1: Yes. Yeah, especially a lot of our time was spent in a car between parks, you know, we weren't getting dirty those days. They did mm-hmm. each get 20 pairs of underwear. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of a necessity. <laughs> I agree <Yeah>. there.
0: <laughs> so, Jennifer, there had to be a point in your family's life when you and your husband decided that you wanted to incorporate traveling. What what was the genesis of all the traveling?
1: Well, like I said, when we when the kids were all really young, we just did little family trips, you know, camping trips. And we were always camping because we love outdoors and it's cheaper. Um, But then um, as we were homeschooling, we, you know, would learn about places in our schooling. And one of the first trips we did that is uh, we were going to the Grand Canyon. Uh, Most of my kids were young. I think the youngest was like one. Um, And on the national parks websites and stuff, you can order, you know, educational supplies to mm-hmm. study about the places. And one of the things they had that they still offer at some p- parks is they have a thing called a traveling trunk. And they mailed us this big, like, trunk full of information and things to learn about the park. And it was super hands on. And so I decided, well, we now we need to just go there. Right. We've, mm-hmm. we've seen it. We've studied all this stuff. So now we need to go. And that was really the first field trip trip, I would say, or family trip where it was also incorporated homeschooling. And it wasn't really intentional at first, but it kind of turned into that. Then when I was there, you know, the you've been there so when you go to the south entrance of the grand canyon that's where you first like see the canyon and it's just amazing Mm -hmm. first experience right so i'm standing there with all my kids uh, so i believe my oldest was about 12 and they were like oh my god this is what you know we what we learned about look at how huge it is you know they were so impressed Mm -hmm. and then there was another family next to us with a couple kids about the same age and those kids were like mom it's just a big hole. I want to go. It's boring, you know? And oh like, look, my goodness. Look That's how, shocking like, to me. <laughs> so, me too. But then I realized like my, what we had done by studying and using it as part of our learning is that the kids felt connected, you know, Oh sure. they felt connected to it. And so after that, pretty much any trip we planned, I worked in some stuff that they would learn ahead of time. And vice versa, any class or subject we talked about, I looked for actively for places we could go visit that tied into those subjects. So that's kind of how it started. Also, up until that point, it was all family trips. Um, I had never considered like me going off with the kids on my own. Um, And I met another homeschool mom a long time ago at a Austin area homeschoolers, I think one of them used to have a big field day every year. And my kids were still little. I met another homeschooling mom who had just returned from like an eight week trip with her two little girls. And she'd gone by herself. And I was like, wow, I, I can do that too, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, that's when we started like branching out. And then I would do it myself with the kids or join up with other homeschooling friends and families. And we would do it together. We've done a ton of that since
0: then yes you've done a lot of really amazing trips tell our listeners some of the places you and your homeschool group and kids have gone okay so
1: with the group we've uh based them on some of our co-op classes that we've taught with each other we just have some weekly classes and we did world history class and then with that trip we went on uh it was myself and another parent and nine teenagers that were in the class and we went on a like 10 day trip to unesco world heritage sites Uh, uh, we went to Carlsbad, we went to Chaco, Mesa Verde, and Taos, and it was really to see ruins and talk about the history of the ruins. We had our own, each had our own class, and then they would connect together online. And so we went on that trip, and then we went on a Utah Mighty Five trip where we just, that one was for more learning about geology and nature and conservation, We did a world mythology class and we went on a trip to Mexico and saw all kinds of ruins and learned a lot about the culture. And that one, the kids worked for a year to earn money to pay their own way, you know, to go to Mexico. Um, We did a month-long U.S. history trip like three years ago up the East Coast. That was amazing. We visited all kinds of national parks and monuments and museums and really followed like the story of civil rights. We started out down in Montgomery and Learned a about, lot about slavery and we went all the way up the East Coast and it was huge. That one was huge. We had about 30 people on that trip, um, all kinds of families, all ages of kids. And still today, it's all, I think three years, uh, the kids who went on that trip talk about it all the time. We've had other little trips that we've done here and there and some regular kind of trips we do, like going to the beach together and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those have been some of our big, really impactful homeschooling trips
0: yeah there's nothing that teaches more than that hands-on first person immersion um we just had a little tiny uh experience of that i've been reading little house the little house books to my son Mm -hmm. and we went up to Kerrville. um we like this koa in Kerrville. we were taking a little vacation and there's a museum of western art now i'm not really that much into western art but Mm -hmm. i said hey you know this is a cool thing to go do Uh, In the museum, they had a life-size replica of a covered wagon and all these different things. We we got to put on clothes that looked like, you know, what Ma and Pa Ingalls would have worn Uh in the 1860s. And it really helped him to understand what we were reading about in the books. And this boy is like Mm -hmm. every night we're reading a chapter. He is so excited about the book and and having gone to see those things. And so, you know not maybe not everybody can do a huge trip like like you do but these little every area of the country there are these little resources that we can plug into it's definitely a learning lifestyle
1: it is. And one of the things that we say a lot at our house is that the world is our classroom. That's like, I mean, you guys, homeschoolers have probably heard that phrase before, but it really, really is our classroom. Yeah. We are out there seeing it, touching it, doing it and talking to people who've lived through things. And it it's, has a huge impact on all of us.
0: Oh, yeah. it It brings everything to life that would otherwise maybe be a dry paragraph in mm-hmm. an encyclopedia for yeah. sure.
1: I um, personally was never a history fan until we started doing these kinds of trips. And I love history because it is the stories. The stories come to life when you visit the places where they happened.
0: Yeah. And that's another benefit of homeschooling is that you are not only the teacher, but you also become the student. I remember telling someone yes. when I started homeschooling, that I realized the first student in my homeschool was actually me. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: We're learning more than the kids even sometimes because we're we're having to relearn the way we were taught things as young kids, and especially with history and how views have changed on history and things like that. We're we're going out and seeing these things as adults,
0: and and relearning a whole new viewpoint on all of it as well. It makes things so much more enjoyable and fresh, you know. And yeah, I've always said that. Um, The best way to learn is to teach something. That's how I Mm -hmm. figure out if my kids have learned anything, right? I have them teach. (laughs) We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the logistics of teaching while traveling. The Happy Homeschooler podcast is sponsored by Transcript Maker. It's an online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts in the comfort of your own home. Now, Jennifer, um, have you any experience with Transcript Maker?
1: I actually have a lot of experience with it. I love the program. I've used it to make transcripts for all of the kids I've graduated, which is six kids at this point. And most recently we used it to create my youngest daughter's transcripts to get into college and she uh, applied to a lot of difficult schools and they all accepted the transcripts and it really, really helped us.
0: When I found Transcript Maker, I thought, wow, I can take this off my list of things I haven't learned how to do, right? It makes it so much easier. I
1: absolutely recommend it. People ask me about transcripts and diplomas and things like that all the time and I recommend it to every single person.
0: Well, I know Transcript Maker has its debt to you because you know a lot of people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) And all those people that I've told about it owe Transcript Maker a debt because they have a 14-day free trial. So you can give it a test drive and see how you like it.
0: And our listeners can save 20% off their subscription when they use our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps.
1: Try it once and you'll be recommending it to everyone you know as well.
0: Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half we talked about traveling and how to afford it and all the benefits of traveling with your homeschooled kids and in this half we're going to talk about the homeschooling part of it. So Jennifer, um, I know that your family are mainly unschoolers. We are. Mm -hmm. How do you incorporate topics and schoolwork into traveling? Well, so first we
1: always learn about
0: the place we're going to visit
1: before we go. So it kind of piques their interest. I usually give the kids, you know, assignments about like to go find out more and tell us and share what they've found. Right. But while we're actually on the trips. The biggest thing is we utilize the resources that the places we go offer. So if we're going to national parks or museums or monuments or things like that, I, you know, ahead of time, go on to their websites and I find their educational materials. I find their materials that they offer for self-guided field trips. They usually most places will have like information you can print out so that while you're there, you can use the most of the space and learn about it as you go. Um I try to figure out who we can talk to about the things while we're there. You don't necessarily have to sign up for a up thing, but you know, there's Rangers and there's, you know, docents at museums and things that would be happy to talk to your kids. So I try to get that all in place while we're going. But as far as like doing formal schooling on the road, that's not, you know, really something I do normally. I usually, we usually try to fit what we're learning into our lifestyle. So even with math, we're more organic. So on a trip, Our math involves a lot of like the kids learning how to navigate and read maps and thing you know, trail guides and things like that. Um, But also part of educational materials we find for parks and museums are usually laid out in the, uh, you know, for school systems. So they will have things like, here's math things you can do at this museum. Here's science things you can do at this museum. So I use that to, to fit more subjects in. Uh, But I find that when we're on the road traveling all the subjects I want them to be learning uh, kind of organically take place throughout the process of the traveling and the exploring and the talking to people. I also know families that are more formal in their schooling. And when we're traveling anyways, we have a lot of time in the car. I know homeschoolers aren't, Mm -hmm. you know, against homeschooling in the car. A lot of people know how to do that and do it between things all the time. So Mm -hmm. there's also that downtime where you can read and you can play educational games and things like that you know, while you're on your trip as
0: well. That makes sense. I know for us, if we're just taking a short trip, we don't worry about getting any schoolwork done. But that right. big trip that we, where we were gone for about seven weeks, mm-hmm. um, I did load a lot of the schoolwork um, books that we were going to read onto yeah. my Kindle. Yeah. And I did bring um, some things like the math, uh, my son's math uh, curriculum. Mm-hmm. And I think his handwriting. Because once we got to the Denver area we were living there mm-hmm. and and I was working so we did kind of go back to somewhat of a regular schedule right. otherwise he would have had too much time on his hands <laughs> 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 and so we once we got there we did do uh some schoolwork and we we got yeah. there in December so about mid-December we don't do school anyway Anyways, we take a yeah. winter break um and so that worked well for us and I yeah. think that like you um I feel that the experiences that you're going to have and looking at maps and reading mm-hmm. information and figuring out, uh, like we taught our son on one of the trips, what the mile markers were on the side of the road. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we, we told him, okay, well, it's so many miles. And he was able to watch for that. And he'd, he'd say, oh, you know, we're going to be there in a certain amount of time. Or he started to figure out how much time it took to travel yeah. a certain distance and those are all really important things that we're going to use in our whole right. life. And I, so uh, mm-hmm. there's no reason to do a worksheet about it. Right. It's
1: it's like everything else. If you're learning it while doing it, it, you connect to it and you remember it and things like that. And I um I think even along the trip like what you were saying is a good example that You figure out things that maybe your kids don't know, like while you're traveling, because it's outside of your comfort zone. It's a new location and they ask questions. So then you can follow up with that and they can learn new ideas and new concepts from that as well. Um, But we always throw some something educational in there anyways. You know, Uh, this trip in particular, we had the boys are in a teen book club. And so we listened to the audio book while we were traveling so they could be caught up on that. Um, we also listened to lots of podcasts that were relevant to the classes that they're starting this year in their co-op um, and just took advantage of any downtime we had just to continue learning.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and audiobooks are such a useful tool. They're great. Um, they're great. And we use, I use them a lot now in my homeschooling mm-hmm. because I am the, um, main income earner for my family. So I have mm-hmm. to work. Right. And So sometimes when I don't have time to read a book aloud, I'll bring my son into my office and we'll put it on and listen to it together. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, audiobooks are great and podcasts. Wow. What a oh treasure God. trove of information. So the podcast, so on this
1: trip and we, this usually happens on our trips, we do end up doing things that were unplanned that we just like, see or hear about and go, oh my gosh, I want to go do that, you know, so then we'll add things into our trip. On this trip, we started listening to a podcast called National Parks After Dark. Um, a little bit of background before that, and my kids are taking a, the whole high school co-op session they're taking this year is all about crime, criminal psychology, criminal forensics, true crime stories. So that's kind of the focus of the high school group this year. So this podcast, National Park After Dark, is about each episode is about a park. And then it tells you something that's happened there, something bad or, you know, either like a murder or an animal attack oh, or, gosh. you know, it sounds gruesome, but it's not yeah. really. It's very educational and uh-huh. interesting. Uh, but it also is relevant to what they're studying the share, But because there's like rescue stories and stuff. But there mm-hmm. was a because of listening to that podcast almost all the locations we went, we ended up going and seeing things that the kids had heard about on the podcast and they really wanted to do. For example, they, one of the podcasts was about an alien uh, situation, UFOs and things that from the 1950s in the Great uh, Sand Dunes area. And in that episode, they talked about like that there's a UFO watchtower place where you can go there and and see all the stuff people say they've discovered and everything. So we went there and it was so interesting. Uh, and another example is a, there was a ghost story about a hotel in Banff and the kids were really interested in finding that out, you know? And I know it sounds like it's just fun stuff, but really like with the ghost stories, they were learning history about the people there and, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah. Um. So we went to the hotel. Totally not in our plans, but they asked, like, hey, can we go see that haunted hotel? (laughs) So we went and did that, you know, and saw the place where they talked about, you know. And so we, you know, even along the way, we learned new things by listening to podcasts and then discovered new things we wanted to see. And it made it more
0: exciting for us. Well, and that's the thing is that um you know your experience at the grand canyon where your kids were excited and the other Mm -hmm. kids were bored um when you give kids something some kind of ownership or some kind of connection they're really excited i think that if i had said to uh liam uh, yeah, let's learn about covered wagons and blah, blah, blah. He wouldn't have been yeah. too excited. But we were yeah. reading a book about some characters, and then I said, hey, we're going to go to this place, and they have a covered wagon in there. Right. He, he kept going back into that covered wagon. I think he probably got in it like five That's or six so times. so great. On
1: our U.S. history trip with all the other families, you know, I think you know Amanda, but her daughter was with us, and she had been in our history class. And I think she was 10, maybe, at this time. And we went there and we had written papers in that English class about people in history and stuff. And I believe she had picked Clara Barton okay. and we get to, we went to the Smithsonian, one of the Smithsonian's, the history one, I guess. Um, And they had like Clara Barton's original covered wagon there. Wow. And you the look on her face when she walked in the room and saw that was amazing. Like she was just, so that what was like it's a huge moment it. of her just connecting with I wrote this kind of boring paper, wasn't really that (laughs) interested. And now I'm seeing it, you know, and she was just so excited about it. Yeah, that is really We'll see them through that.
0: That's awesome. I have a funny story, but it shows that maybe it would be a good idea to do some research before you go on a trip. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) We like to go to Galveston. We go to Galveston as frequently as we can. And when we went there last year, um, we were out in the water playing and my husband was on the beach and all of a sudden he says to me like in a really urgent voice like Holly you only come here and I thought well my goodness I don't know what's going on but (laughs) then his voice sounds a, a little upset so we we start coming up and I said what's going on and he says I see some fins out in the water So Liam Uh gets terrified. He practically runs on the water to get out of the water, (laughs) thinking there are sharks. Um, But you know, a little research would have reminded us that there are dolphins. Dolphins. (laughs) Yes. And so then we realized, oh no, those are dolphins. And my poor son needed a lot of convincing (laughs) to get back in the water. (laughs) it's just a funny family story, but a little research (laughs) about what might've been uh, expected would probably have been helpful. (laughs)
1: We have a lot we we go to the beach quite a bit and it's never like a planned educational homeschooling type of trip, but we still always learn a lot. There's the kids are always finding, you know, things on the beach that we're like, I don't know what that is. What is it? And so then they go and talk to we go to the National Seashore. So they take things to the Rangers, you know, and ask, like, what is this? And, and mm-hmm. we've learned so much through them just asking questions on our trips
0: yeah yeah we were reading the book uh by hauling Sea hauling Pegu last year. It's about a little hermit crab, and so on our last trip to the beach, we found a, a, a blue crab, and my son was real excited about it and then we saw some people catching something on one of the um stone uh piers mm-hmm. and we went over I always just talk to anybody and like hey what what are you catching over there and he was catching shrimp and he had so many shrimp in this bucket mm-hmm. and we had, you know, read about the shrimp and, you know, it's a great gift to your kids to give them that curiosity and expose them to things so that right. they can appreciate when these things come up. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so you sound like you do more of your research and actual schoolwork before you go on the trip. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what do you so. do when you come home? Do you do anything um, post-travel?
1: The biggest thing we do is we talk to people about what we did, you know, and the kids really talk to people about what we did. And we, you know, share pictures with friends and then the kids remember it and they share that experience. And so when we've done group trips with other homeschool families, they continue that conversation afterwards or they find things along the way that they want to learn more about and then they'll do that on their own afterwards too.
0: Yeah I think traveling is awesome and wasn't it Mark Twain that said uh, he had a great quote about traveling he said travel is fatal to prejudice bigotry and narrow-mindedness and many of our people need it sorely on those accounts broad wholesome charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. Yeah, and that's, that's a great from the quote. innocence abroad. Yeah, it it's I, really so true.
1: I grew up as a military brat. My dad's in the Air Force, and we lived all over the world. And as an adult. I've really appreciated it in relation to this quote, like I've been exposed to so many different kinds of people and cultures and ideas and, you know, religions and customs. And, and when I meet people who haven't traveled, I see, I see that they're missing those experiences in their life view of other people. And I've always wanted, you know, Give my kids those those options so that they can see people differently, you know, and just be aware that there's all these differences out there and that it's okay.
0: Yes, it's really important. It's given us a lot of um, a different viewpoint yeah. and a different mindset.
1: I agree, and I don't. People don't need to do what I'm doing and go far away and all of that. But I, I, you know, I live in a very small town out in the hill country, and I know a lot of people here who've never been into Austin, which is an hour away. You know, they've never done that. So even in your own area, your own state, just, you know, once in a while, step outside of your city, your town, your community, you know, and just see, just see other people and see other ideas out there.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Um, no, it's, there's so many things that are free or low cost. Yes. Speaking yeah, of oh, free and I'll, low cost, have you ever done uh, camped in the Bureau of Land Management areas? Because yes. they don't charge, right?
1: Yes, we've done some of that in Colorado and Utah. There, sometimes they charge. They're really cheap, like ten dollars a night. And sometimes it's just a, you know, find where you want to go. Those are really primitive. That's not mm-hmm. for everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Very primitive, but I wanted to mention talking about free things that, you know, if you're not able to travel, if you, you're tied to work or, you know, I'm lucky enough that I, my husband is here working and okay with us going on these trips. But if you're not able to do that, there's a lot of virtual field trips online that you can do and still take you, you know, to those places. And so that kids can see them, even seeing them online is more than just reading about it in a book.
0: Mm-hmm. We did take advantage of some of those virtual field trips when COVID Mm -hmm. first started. One of the things I like to do is either to stay in the little cabins that I mentioned, the KOA cabins, or to um, get Airbnb where we have the whole house. Mm -hmm. And those are such affordable ways to travel if you're not um, a tent camping kind of a family. Yes. Um, So one of the other things you were saying about how your boys thought something looked familiar Mm -hmm. when you were traveling And um, our listeners might remember our game schooling episode where we mentioned Assassin's Creed. Yes. Um, So do you think that maybe they recognized something from um, having played Assassin's Creed? It's
1: definitely possible because a lot of the places we, you know, visited were, looks that way, you know, had that look to them. I think a lot of the games they played do, you know, with the big mountain backdrops and the forest and, you know, things like that. So even just, just seeing those things on, in their games, those, those things that you can see out in the real world is amazing to them.
0: Here at the end of our podcast, we usually have a big question, but today we're going to be talking about some big homeschooling news from around the world. So we'll start here at home. Last year, when the pandemic started, there were only about 5% of um, children in the U.S. being homeschooled. But that has changed, hasn't it, Jennifer?
1: it's changed greatly. Um, Now it's doubled to 11%. That's a huge jump in homeschooling. And I don't think that's been really seen before.
0: No, homeschooling hasn't really been growing that fast, but we have a lot of factors that weren't really a factor previously. And I do think that the
1: pandemic has really been the driving force behind the increase. Definitely people, you know, would either are pulling their kids out of school because they're not happy with the covid situation but I also think it'd be more people have heard about homeschooling because of that so there's been other people just encouraged to to look into it as well
0: yeah and I think uh, another part of the rise of homeschooling is that people had an experience of distance learning through their public yes. schools and they found that while they may not have appreciated the way their <laughs> schedule was set up or how it was presented to them yeah presented having the kids home and having more time together was really appealing yeah.
1: I I agree. I think some of them have really found that it's something they enjoy. I think a lot of them have also discovered it's not what they expected it would be. I don't think a lot of the people who started homeschooling this year or over the last year may have known what they were getting into, and they thought it might just be this, you know, virtual thing you do online, but there is a lot more to it, and I think they're finding that along the way.
0: Yeah, I think one of the other things um, I'm seeing is that homeschooling is growing faster in some parts of the country than others mm-hmm. so this one news story said that in florida homeschooling went from five percent to 18 percent that's amazing it's a huge <laughs> jump um and then in new york it went from one percent to ten percent in new york yeah. is a hard place to homeschool
1: right that's huge too yeah yeah yeah, it makes me wonder, this increase makes me wonder if states are going to take a closer look at it and, and create more regulations for people who are choosing to homeschool, even things as far as like, you know, checking in on child welfare. If there's that many kids out of the school system where they do normally check on welfare of kids, mm-hmm. are states going to feel obligated at this point to start checking in more on homeschooling families?
0: Yeah, as a person who started homeschooling here in Texas before it was completely legal, and all the work that we had to do to get our rights mm-hmm. to homeschool, I'm wary of increasing regulation. I am, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I and I hope that um, all the people who are listening, um, whether you're an established homeschooler or a new homeschooler. You know, you'll be paying attention to that. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, we did, uh, Melody and I did a whole episode called Homeschooling in the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and listen to that and find out what it was like before homeschooling was really legal.
1: Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know where it goes from here. I'm really interested to see if, if the majority of the people who've started homeschooling will stick with it, if it will be a long-term thing, or if this is just a temporary increase due to COVID situations.
0: I'm seeing that people are asking a lot of questions about how they can get their kids back into school next yes, year. Yes. So seen it makes that me too. feel like it's a temporary thing. However, um, again, like people found with the virtual school, they're going to find out things about homeschooling they didn't know. And maybe mm-hmm. they will get into it for the long haul. Yes. I hope so. I hope some yeah. of them do. Yeah. So homeschooling is growing in the U S but in France, sadly, they just passed a new law in July, which restricts homeschooling there. Yeah, I just heard this news. I was really surprised to hear that. I, honestly, I don't really, I don't know what their homeschooling
1: policies were before, but totally outlawing it is very surprising to me.
0: Yeah, they they are going to allow some exemptions uh, for reasons of health or disability or artistic mm-hmm. or sports practice. Um, okay. It says something about family homelessness. So I, I guess they have some exemptions, but I am a Francophile and I do know that the French mindset is that it's very important in france to be french and to be part of the culture Mm -hmm. Um, that's why their kids are such good eaters which doesn't really have much to do with homeschooling but (laughs) the whole culture they start teaching kids to eat all kinds of foods when they're very young and they make it a normal thing Um, and so people in france don't have a lot of problems with their children eating a wide variety of things like we do here. So their whole culture is about being one homogenous people. Mm -hmm. And I think that they feel that homeschooling did not promote that. And they also had, they've had a lot of uh, immigrants to their country. And they mm-hmm. want the people that have emigrated there to also be incorporated into the French way of life. Right. So I think that's the main thing. Um, I know that HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, actually monitors homeschooling in other countries. Right. And um, they are actively watching what's happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I haven't France. looked into it
1: in a while. Uh, earlier on in our homeschooling experience, I did, you know, look into how other other states and other countries what their regulations are, um, you know, in case I ever want to move anywhere, (laughs) Um, but, but so I haven't checked on it lately. So I I might do some more research myself and see like how how it is being handled with this huge increase here in the United States, if other countries are also seeing this, or if they're handling the school situation differently than we are here right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting to me. And I, I remember telling my husband, um, when we first started homeschooling, that there were several states where um, if he were to be offered a transfer, we would not go. We couldn't go. It's still (laughs) true for me, yeah. Yeah, it'd just be too onerous to try to homeschool with all those regulations. And, Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that regulations make the homeschooling better. But I had a friend who homeschooled in New York and also in Pennsylvania, two very highly regulated states. And she would always tell me that um, I was able to do a lot more with my kids because we didn't have to satisfy certain rules and regulations. Yeah. So I'm really, when I think when you don't have as many rules and regulations, you work so much harder. To give mm-hmm. your kids this really great education, because you don't want anyone to look at what you're doing and think right. that you're shortchanging your kids. Yeah, and and you do you
1: have the freedom to then do what your kids need. What you mm-hmm. know, focus on the things they need, and that's really helpful. I know yeah. some state. I think I think some states still require only a certified teacher to teach in homeschooling, and they allow usually someone to oversee a parent, Mm -hmm. but there has to be a certified teacher in charge of their education. So each state is very different on how they hold up the homeschooling regulations. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes going forward.
0: It will, and I think we should all be vigilant to keep an eye on how Mm -hmm. the government is responding to the increase in homeschooling.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hopefully we'll get more
1: support and not in a negative form.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. If you have any questions, comments, or homeschooling news, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. And go like the Happy Homeschooler
1: page and join the group on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash happyhomeschoolpod.
0: Check out our Instagram at instagram.com forward slash happyhomeschoolpod. Or follow the podcast on Twitter at underscore homeschool pod. And subscribe to the Happy Homeschooler podcast on YouTube. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Holly. And I'm Jennifer. Happy, Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Holly Williams-Zerbaugh. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My guest host today was Jennifer Jones. This episode was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find her music on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or as always, tell people about us.